Hey there, everybody, and welcome to Cinema on Tap, your weekly movie podcast with a refreshing selection of movie reviews and industry topics on tap for discussion. I'm your host, Scott Lentz, joined by my drinking buddy and co-host, Christian Ubius. Christian, this last is, week... I've never had this before. This is actually pretty nice. Were you the one who yeah, brought this? I did, I did. Thought we need more white claws. Okay, cool. Yeah. Thank you. My my poor introduction has just been bodied here, but allow me to, to continue. I do this every week. You do do this every week, much to my chagrin. And that mysterious third voice you've just heard, listeners, is <laughs> our guest on this week's show. We are joined by Megan Ligori, continuing a very fun trend we've had here post-rebrand of bringing in new voices, new faces to the show. So, Megan... Thank you for being here. How are you? Yeah, thank you guys for having me. I'm honored to be on the pod. So yeah, I'm doing really good. Um, Want me to do a little introduction? Please. Okay, yeah. My name's Megan. I am a screenwriter more focused on television, teleplays, and I've been doing a lot of documentary work lately, but thrilled to be here. What? Which shows are you watching currently? Which shows am I watching? One I just finished was actually based on a true story with Kaylee Cuoco. That one was pretty good. The, the TV show? The, the show is called Yeah, it's, based it's on called a Based story. on a True Story. Oh, okay. About podcasts, actually. Oh, really? Yeah. I, I mean, I saw her on the flight attendant. That one was good as well. Yes. I actually, I really enjoyed it. I don't know. I didn't expect to, but I really did. I, I've heard good things. There is an immense amount of TV out there right now, and I am... I finally finished The Bear Season 2. Oh. A good job. Oh, oh my god. Good season. Great oh, season, man. actually. Ending hit me like a hammer. Yes. If you've not watched The Bear, folks, I would do so. And I would do it with someone you love, so that if you become unexpectedly <laughs> emotional, you have a good shoulder to cry on, or a, you know, a listening ear if you need to process some feelings. I feel like I'm always behind with TV because I am majorly a movie person, especially when compared to TV. I rarely watch TV on my own. I usually watch it with my wife, and I'm watching movies quite often. So... I'm pretty behind, as Kayla Cuoco's uh, <laughs> career goes, yeah. but more power to her. It sounds like she's Absolutely. been keeping busy post-Big Bang Theory. Definitely. I mean, is Big Bang Theory went for like 13 seasons, 12 seasons? 12 seasons, I think. Oh my goodness. Yeah. The, CBS, yeah. the CBS world is a world that I'm not familiar with, but all of their shows run forever like that. I mean, the CBS NCIS, is that them? Yeah, NCIS LA. Our great yes. city. <laughs> yeah, that's CBS. Um, again, we have brought you on to today's episode because we are kicking off a brand new monthly theme here, or as we call them, uh, we've tapped a new K here on Cinema on Tap, as we are looking at the modern high school movie, talking about some of the latest and greatest high school movies of the past couple of years. And we're actually talking about a brand new release today. And that is Bottoms, which opened in a handful of theaters this past Friday, including a few here in L.A., and will be expanding more widely when this episode releases on the 1st. So I'm looking forward to getting some of your thoughts on Bottoms, especially why you specifically wanted to join this episode, as opposed to Lady Bird or Booksmart, the other movies we'll be talking about on the show. But I love that we've gotten into the point where we just say all three movies that we're going to talk about on the pod at the beginning of the month. Yeah, I know. Some, sometimes we keep the listeners in suspense, but sometimes we just like to give them prep time. You suspense know? is too much work. Absolutely. Suspense is way too much work. Yeah, let them prepare so they can listen in. It's great. There we go. And speaking of preparation, sometimes when you sit down at a brewery, you like to get a little taster. Just a little three ounces of something. Seamless transition. Thank you. Seamless transition. I'm getting better at this podcast tasting. And you like to taste a little three ounces of something, just kind of wet your whistle before picking something to drink. And we've been doing that here on the show as well, starting with some more broad topics. We've been podcasting together for over three years. We have been podcasting together for over three years. Oh, congrats. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) And what I wanted to start things off uh, with today is, as opposed to talking about maybe some other new releases, because there's not a a ton coming out yet, or at least that we haven't talked about here on this show, Um, but we are talking about high school movies. And so I'm curious, Megan, just you're the guest, so we'll look at you first, just how you feel about the state of the high school movie. We were discussing this earlier today. We were discussing this. Perfect. Big Socratic seminar style. Yeah, I feel like the state of the high school movie, I do feel like it's having a comeback, but I feel like the last few years, it has been a little lacking. And I do feel that with this movie that we're talking about today, Bottoms, kind of big comeback, which is so exciting. 
Um, but yeah. That's how I feel about the state of the high school movie at the current point in time. Are there Shin. any titles that you would mention? Definitely. I think that one that was released quite a bit ago, but still kind of recent, was The Edge of Seventeen, starring Haley Steinfeld. I watched that for yeah. the first time this year, and it's fantastic. It's so good. And it's kind of a different tone than your typical high school movie, but definitely a tearjerker and just such an interesting story that I think a lot of people can relate to. Mm-hmm. Christian, any particular high school movies that come to mind for you, especially maybe from recent years that went under the radar or something like Edge of Seventeen, which has its fans but didn't really blow up in the way that previous high school movies have? You know what someone mentioned to me earlier today that I'm like, oh, wait, that absolutely that's a high school movie is The Fablemans. I mean, when you think about The Fablemans, it's entirely him trying to make his way through high school, and it's, it's a fantastic movie. I was thinking about it, and I think the number one movie that does come to mind is just having kicked off a trend is Lady Bird, in that it, it, it does feel like that was a, I don't know, a, a, a high school movie in which we were thinking this reminds us of the person trying to get through the time honestly within the past 40 50 years it's very very classical in its style and yet still completely original um i mean ferris bueller's day off i think is a perfect movie the breakfast club what i saw before i cared about movies i'm like oh this is a banger right here and it's all john hughes but john hughes has been the one who made his name on these movies so that i i basically think of them when i when i see a high school movie i think is this a john hughes style movie or not and that's what makes me label it a high school movie. Yeah, obviously there were movies set in high school before John Hughes, and there have been plenty after him, but he really feels like one of the key creative forces behind the high school setting, at least as it pertains to movies, where movies like The Breakfast Club and movies like Ferris Bueller's Day Off are so influential, and people who are now making movies set in high school, featuring high school characters, are looking at those two as templates, whether it's to make fun of the Breakfast Club style cast where there's people, you know, there's the jock, there's the the beauty queen, there's the outcast, or something like Ferris Bueller's Day Off where there's this incredibly charismatic central character who gets up to shenanigans in their high school. I think those two really do lay out the template for a lot of types of movies. You also have some stuff like a movie that we covered on the show last year, maybe, but American Graffiti. Which was George Lucas two years ago. Two years ago, American Graffiti's wonder. I think it got re-released for its fiftieth anniversary. Yeah, National Cinema Day happened a couple of days ago from the recording of this podcast. It's when I saw Bottoms and got to see with a packed crowd. Thankfully, I saw it with a packed crowd. Yeah, absolutely same. And American Graffiti is, you know, it's a movie set. It's. Maybe it's the beginning of a school year, is it? Or is it the end it's of It's the very last day. It's the very last day before they're going off to yeah. college. And that inspires Dazed and Confused 20 years later, where Richard Linklater is doing essentially this same blueprint, just changing the time period, where Lucas is looking back at the 50s from the 70s. Linklater is looking back at the 70s from the 90s. And you have all those types of movies, too. These big, sprawling ensembles where directors are looking back at the time period they grew up in. And... I am often drawn to those types of movies, you know? So there's different sort of sub-genres under the high school category that I think it's it's fun to unpack. And I'm curious to see where you two find Bottoms fits in, in, in terms of a high school sub-genre, if we can break it out that much. Well, they're coming-of-age movies at the core, because, I mean, there are some great college movies that do the same thing, like um, The Graduate, which I think is a masterpiece. They are movies in which someone is, is like, over the course of the year, they're discovering, like, what is coming up in the next stage of their life. And I, to me, it's very much so, am I seeing people who are realizing something about themselves in whatever time frame they have within this high school? Or not. And if it's an or not kind of a thing, then I don't necessarily attribute it to be a high school movie. Because, what's the best way to say this? If, if it's, I don't know, a... Coach Carter is not a high school movie to me. You know? Right, It's because it's about... Really, it's about the coach. Yes. The, Samuel L. Jackson's the lead character there. The high schoolers are the ensemble that he's working with. And so that, to me, is the distinguishing thing. Or something like, I don't know, Romeo plus Juliet. 
It's not a high school movie to me. Yes, it's a modern Shakespeare adaptation, which supersedes to me the high school element of it. Which is funny, because the Shakespeare adaptation as high school movie became popular after Romeo plus Juliet, with stuff like She's the Man, or Ten Things I Hate About You. Ten Things I Hate About You is a high school movie, though. Yes. Ten Things I Hate About You is absolutely a high school movie, and it's a phenomenal high school movie. Yes, it is. In, in this podcaster's opinion. Uh, Megan, any other high school movies that we sort of missed, whether it's sort of a subtype of these movies or one that you just wanted to shout out because it's good? <laughs> I yeah, know. I think kind of going off of the loose adaptation here, Clueless from yes. is definitely a huge one. Yes. I mean, lots of people just like fell in love with the character of Cher and just her interesting intellect, if you will. <laughs> definitely just like classically high school, but kind of that looking inside to the world of a very rich, affluent high schooler who maybe doesn't know a lot about the world and seeing her go through that journey. Would you, have you seen Election? I haven't. Okay, have you seen Election? I have, but not in a long time. Would you consider Election to be a, a high school movie? Because it's not fully centered on the Reese Witherspoon character, and yet it's fully centered on like the high school staff multiple, so. Right, where Matthew Broderick's character is, is he a principal or just a teacher he's a teacher so he's a teacher at the school and he's really the lead character and reese witherspoon's high school class president uh, aspiring class president is hit the sort of object of his rage ire, <laughs> ire yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, but it's more centered on him than her so i don't know it, it, i guess it would be lumped in with the high school category but ferris bueller himself is no longer in high school he is now playing a teacher so i don't know it, it, i think i think it would fit but maybe not under your closer, tighter definition of more coming-of-age style movie. Makes sense. All right. Is there anything else within our taste that we should be discussing? You know, my, my little, my little three-ounce glass here, I think, is about empty. If you guys are ready to dive in to our featured movie here. Let's, Let's do week. it. Yeah. <laughs> so, of course, as mentioned multiple times, we will be talking about Bottoms, Emma Seligman's sophomore feature after 2020's Shiva Baby. Have, Christian, I know you've seen Shiva Baby. Megan, thoughts on Shiva Baby? I think that Shiva Baby was very interesting. Uh, I know that there was yes. a lot of discourse about it in the Jewish community, and Emma Seligman, of course, is a Jewish person. And I think that it was a really interesting look into the dynamics of religion and sexuality, because those can definitely have a lot of stigmas around them. And just seeing Rachel Sennett playing this very dynamic bisexual character in this interesting situation at a shiva um in my experience i've definitely had a lot of interesting shivas but not one to that degree but it definitely captured both the queer and the jewish experience of a shiva because they can be pretty chaotic actually and that is a very chaotic movie yeah the the whole emotional tenor that they achieve in it is so impressive because it's it reminded me of uncut gems which is a movie that came out uh, a yeah. year a year or two before shiva baby and was very well known for creating this incredibly anxiety inducing atmosphere and seligman and her collaborators made a movie that is not even an hour and 20 minutes and as anxiety inducing <laughs> because of what rachel Sennett's uh, danielle is going through in that movie and his I, I found it to be incredibly effective and that's why bottoms was very much on my radar going into this year but also of course because of its concept and if you've missed the trailers or it is completely unaware of this movie bottoms follows two teenage characters pj and josie both women as they start a fight club at their school as a way to meet and meet girls and hopefully get laid. <laughs> Please talk about who plays who plays Josie. We sure will. PJ is played by Rachel Sennett, and, and she was the co-writer of the movie. Like, she's really normal. Like Rachel Sennett. She, she, she's playing a very straight character compared to all of the other roles I have seen Rachel Sennett play. Disagree. Okay. So yeah, I'm curious to. <laughs> to get okay, into when that. you compare this. Two bodies, bodies, bodies. Yes. Huh. That's an interesting take because I feel that Rachel Sennett's character, PJ, was a little bit more off the rails than in Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. Yeah, they felt very similar to me. Yeah. Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. I just, I, I don't know. I remember her th saying, I am an ally. <laughs> <laughs> and, yes. Um, yeah. 
Sure, Rachel. Go yeah. for it. It was definitely more interesting seeing her in PJ playing a more self-aware character because yes. in previous movies that she's been in, she has always kind of played the ditz role a little bit. And it was interesting seeing her in a more intelligent role because I think that suits her a little bit more as a very intelligent actress. Or even in Shiva Baby, I, I, like when she talks about the feminism, like, um, no, no, no. Gender studies, like gender yeah. studies, is a lens through. <laughs> yes, very intentionally. Yeah. I, I think bodies, bodies, bodies is much more of a satire. That that's what it's going for. Mm-hmm. Maybe not quite a horror movie, but sort of a murder mystery kind of movie. And I was talking with Megan a couple of weeks ago, and I remember I forgot the name <laughs> of the movie. I or basically I mixed the two up, and I'm like. Wait, Megan, have you seen Bottoms, Bottoms, Bottoms? Oh my god. <laughs> now, I am not saying that I hope Emma Seligman creates a mishmash of those two and does a murder mystery with the cast of Bottoms, Bottoms, or with Bottoms, but that'd be pretty fun. But Josie, the second lead character here, is played by Io Edebiri, who... Who has three movies out right now! And she just, I mean, The Bear Season 2 just wrapped up, yeah. and she is the Emmy female lead of that series. Emmy nominated. For not just, or maybe not for her writing, because she is also a writer in addition to being an actor, but she was nominated by the Writers Guild at the WGA Awards for her writing on What We Do in the Shadows. And yeah, Iowa Dabiri has just had a voice role in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Mutant Mayhem, where she's playing April O'Neil. She's in Bottoms, which is expanding right now. And she was also in Theater Camp, Camp, which had a limited release. And did you get a chance to see that, Megan? I did, actually. Thoughts? Yeah. I mean, as a former recovering theater kid, (laughs) I just thought that it really spoke to the theater kid experience. And I mean, we had a lot of great Nepo babies in that movie, but I think it was the right time for them to be in the spotlight there. Absolutely. Also, um, the most I've liked Ben Platt in a movie. Yeah. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will say, actually, I'm pretty partial to Benji in the first Pitch Perfect movie. Where we all fell in love with him. I mean. Before yes. he was Evan Hansen. It always makes me laugh because Ben Platt played a college student in Pitch Perfect and then years later plays a high school student in Dear Evan Hansen. Much like Rachel Sennett, who plays a college student in Shiva Baby and now is playing a high school student in mm-hmm. Bottoms. Well... Yes, but none of this cast is supposed to look like they're actually in high school. No, no. That's the thing. Don't, like, if you're going to go for the bit, go for the bit. And I think that is what they are doing in this movie. And we'll, we'll get into that, I'm sure. So a few other things about Bottoms before we get into our review. Uh, of course, directed by Emma Seligman and co-written with Rachel Sennett. And along with Rachel Sennett and Iota Beery in the cast, there is a pretty large cast of fellow young Actors, uh, namely Havana Rose Lou, Kaya Gerber, Nicholas Galitzin, who just popped up in Red, White, and Royal Blue, which I know is. Haven't doing... seen that movie. I haven't seen it either, but it's very popular. Have you seen right I've now. read the book, I haven't seen the movie yet. Well, okay. you're doing better than us. Quite, read the book. Actually, wait. Is the book. Good. Is the book something you liked? Okay, that's an interesting question. Okay. <laughs> um, as someone who also has a degree in literature, Oh, yes, I yes. would say... Give me all your credentials. ...that this is not an objectively good book, but it's for <laughs> a certain audience, and I am that audience, so I Love enjoyed it. it. There, there we, we go. go. Yes. Okay. We're, we're repeating... We're, we're matching what we say and when we say it, Christian. The whole three years of podcasting is starting to get to us, I think. <laughs> of course, one more name that I simply must shout out. Actually, I'll go to Ruby Cruz, also plays one of the main characters here, the, maybe the key supporting player, and Marshawn Lynch... The former NFL running back who's playing a teacher and making me laugh in this movie. Just put a big old smile on my face. So Emma Seligman did not know who Marshawn Lynch was when she cast really? him. No, she did not. <laughs> I mean, that's fair. I didn't know who he was when he watched the movie, so there, <laughs> there we go. go. I, I, I'm not a frequent tweeter, but I did tweet about this movie when the trailer dropped, and I made a joke about how I'm probably the only person in the middle of a Venn diagram who is excited about the movie Bottoms, and specifically excited about Marshawn Lynch appearing in the movie Bottoms. I, I told you about a friend of mine who knows a football player. I forget what his name was. I, ank, ankler, ank, ankler, ankler. Are you alright? Ankler. Mm-hmm. Ankler? Keep saying ankler. I don't, <laughs> I don't think I know who that is. Say ankler. Sure. <laughs> we're, we're, gonna, we're gonna move on. We are gonna move on, and let's get into our <laughs> review of Bottoms. Megan and Christian. I find that the best high school movies often create compelling lead characters who we really grow to care about, whether the movie itself is comedy or drama or something in between. 
Whether that movie's an all-time classic, something like The Breakfast Club, or maybe Hidden Gem, something like The Edge of Seventeen. It's all about that lead character who we can really fall in love with and get behind. So, Megan, I'll, uh, you're our guest. I'll ask you first. How did you feel about Josie and about PJ? And did you find their friendship compelling? I absolutely did. I mean, right away at the beginning of the movie, they set up that these two girls have been friends for a really long time, and they have a clear want. They want to, you know... Sex. Okay, so- the grand high school movie tradition of trying to get laid and and be less uncool (laughs) like be cooler i should say Mm -hmm. yes absolutely and i mean i think that they really set it up at the beginning you know people don't hate us because we're gay they hate us because we're gay untalented and ugly and that is something that is so relatable to so many people you know they even show in the beginning scenes um someone talking about a theater production that they're in and they're like well, that's not us because we're untalented. So they can't even fit into that subgenre of being gay and into theater and having that talent. So I think that these are some underdogs that from the beginning we're pulling for. And I think that just Rachel and Io really play off of each other's energy in the beginning. I was like, oh, Io is going to be like this crazy zany character. And then that kind of was pushed to Rachel. And they kept doing this pull and push of both having that role which was really fun to see both of them being the zany character and the straight man at different points throughout the film. That's absolutely f- true. The 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 uh, you put it better than I could have ever done it because I was trying to put my head on it. Not one of them is the crazy one. They keep yeah. alternating. They, they they it's and but which honestly reinforces the best friend dynamic of the two. Where like they will supplement where the other has decreased in a certain area until they need to balance each other out again. Yeah, they, I think they strike a really good balance, at least in one way where they're different, where Senate as PJ is a little bit more naturally outgoing and a little bit more brash and willing to put herself out there or force Josie to put herself out there. <laughs> and Josie's a little more reserved naturally. And we see over the course of the movie how I think Josie specifically really does have a nice arc. And she learns to step up and put herself out there it goes in a very familiar coming-of-age story that we've seen in high school movies before. And PJ, very much along for the ride, but learn, learns maybe less uh, than, than Josie by the end of the movie. But uh, I certainly think she lands in a good place for her character as well. Uh, what do you think about that opening scene where we do... I, mean, I guess it's a two-part opener, where we open on the two of them in one of their bedrooms, and they're getting ready to go to the back-to-school carnival. And when they're there, we meet the two girls that they are crushing on, as well as some boys on the football team who become the antagonists for the rest of the movie. So any any dynamic parts of the opening that either of you wanted to touch on? The, this, this high school doesn't exist. <laughs> Rockbridge Falls High School? Trish? Well, because <laughs> what's, what's, what's great is that these guys on the football team are presented as the daintiest fellows you shall ever try to meet on a football team. And the, the, uh, the level in, like, oh, what, what's that saying? That um, when someone's so straight that they're gay... I think you just said it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. There's another version of that. There's there's such a femininity that they're playing with in these male characters. Yes. That's absolutely wonderful to see. That also doesn't make sense because she is not um, Emma Sutherland is not like well and, and Rachel said it is because they were writing partners uh, partners are not leaning into the stereotypes necessarily they're kind of creating new things for these people to embody so like you said there are popular gays at this high school they're just not them (laughs) (laughs) and uh, the the, maybe the the, the most masculine guy is Marshawn Lynch Mr. G Mr. G but every (laughs) other like the quote unquote masculine people are are really into their looks and yet also very capable on cheating on their girlfriends indeed so it's 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 weird in that there's no these are new archetypes that she's building 
I was I was gonna actually say I think specifically they're lampooning a lot of the common and classic elements of a high school movie. Thinking about the football team, which you just pointed out, a lot of these guys are not stereotypically masculine, where they are very silly or overly emotional. At one point, we see the quarterback, who's played by Nicholas Galitzin, and yeah, his name is Jeff. We see Jeff alone in his room listening to Total Eclipse of the Heart by Bonnie Tyler, just <laughs> having a little personal moment. <laughs> and this is not typical high school quarterback behavior. But also, throughout most of the movie, I'm pretty oh, sure we see... One, number one needle drop in this movie. There's one correct answer. <laughs> is it not Total Eclipse of the Heart? It is not Total Eclipse of the Heart. Which means that it's complicated by Avril Lavigne. 100%. 1,000%. And that started playing during like a really sad scene. <laughs> We're all in the theater just laughing. Yes, all of us 20-somethings who remember when that song was actually popular. <laughs> and they it's weren't, still they weren't popular. It, it is. is. But I, but the high school team, or the football team too, you almost never see those guys out of their uniform. They are always in uniform, cleats and all, <laughs> walking around the school. And I, I think that, and the joke um, obviously is playing off of how much high school movies tend to lean on football as a big sport or football players as as the either the bully character or maybe the main character is the quarterback or something, where we know so much about how high school movies have used football that we can now start to make fun of it in very parodic and silly ways. And I think there is a lot of other things. I mean, Mr. G, played by Marshawn Lynch, who is the the teacher that the main characters trust, you know? But class lasted five minutes. Yeah. <laughs> class lasts for five minutes. <laughs> Guys are dismissed. And then... Uh, Josie's character goes, oh, so we just, oh, okay, I guess class. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's constantly writing ridiculous things on the board. Uh, like, there's a, a moment where he, he's brought in as the advisor to this fight club that PJ and Josie start as a way to uh, escape expulsion because they almost injure Jeff, the quarterback. Which, the, the excuse is terrible. Yes, it is. The excuse yeah. is awful. <laughs> But they start this fight club, and they need a teacher to be their advisor, and so they get Mr. G to do it, and he's learning about feminism through his experience, and his, on the board, he writes this question for the class of who invented feminism, and it's Gloria Steinem, option A, B, a man, C, another woman. <laughs> like, his, his little chalkboard jokes it killed me the entire like time he's trying he was so proud of himself, and honestly, I was proud of him as well. Very endearing character. Wait, wait, wait. When there's a part in your game, I'm just going to do it because I don't care. This great scene where he's like done, he gets really, really mad at the two main <laughs> characters. And so he writes on the chalkboard why the first 40 or however many presidents were men and why he should stay that <laughs> <Yeah>. way. <laughs> Feminism with a big line through it. Not good. <laughs> Iconic. Yeah, I, I mean, even, even in moments like that, I think Seligman and Senate as writers of the movie are making fun of the sort of simple female empowerment story that this could have been. And certainly, the I, I think one of the goals of this movie is creating a story where there is female characters coming of age and, and learning to step more confidently into who they are. To, and the end, of course, is okay. a, a little it's, fight. So it's, yeah. it's not just it's not just female characters and it's not just a queer story. It is very specifically a lesbian story. It is. Because yes. it, it's like there are no gay men, really, that we are caring about or focusing on in this. They're trying to put it through. Look at what these two, specifically women, specifically lesbian characters, are going through in this time and how you can actually tell a story. That And, and by the way, this, is, this comedy I love because at no point did they try to make it dramatic. You know how sometimes a comedy will try to find its strongest scenes in the drama? No! Not at all. The conflict lasts, like, because like, inevitably there's a conflict. It lasts, like, I don't know, two minutes. And it's not even that. You, 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 get, you get Avril Lavigne playing, and then they make up because the, the, the main plot point of the third act comes on. Which, by the way, two things about that plot point, which I know we'll get to eventually. One, really funny. Two, you could feel the budget restraints and how they were. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> Do we know what the budget was? 
budget was for this film? Are we aware? According to Wikipedia, a little over 11 million. Which is a massive step up from Shiva Baby. Shiva Baby, absolutely. Yeah, which is 95% in one location where the Shiva is taking place. There's a brief scene at a separate location at the beginning of the movie. But small cast, primarily in one location. And Bottoms is very much a step up for Seligman as a director. And I am really excited about her career going forward. Because I feel like she crushed it. In terms of not just stepping up as a writer, creating this high school comedy. She's versatile. But yes, Absolutely. very versatile. And, and I think it's particularly a well-directed movie also. Uh, Megan, I'm not sure if there's any... I, I guess I just want to turn to you in terms of any scenes that really stood out to you or any moments that you wanted to highlight that we haven't gotten to yet. Because there's, there's still so much more to touch on with this cast and with the actual fight club itself. But I'm curious what really stood out to you for this movie. And I mean, you said you wanted specifically to talk bottoms. So... Yes curious uh, as to what is really speaking to you. Absolutely. One standout scene for me that I just kept thinking about after seeing it for the very first time was the pineapple storyline. I thought that they really introduced Jeff's allergy to pineapples very, very early (laughs) on in the story. And then finally, in the third act, you have this callback to the pineapple juice and that these... um, Hunting, hunting, Huntington. Huntington. The evil opposing football team. Evil football players that we only meet for maybe like five minutes, which is amazing. <laughs> just this looming presence throughout the entire movie that they have these empty jugs of pineapple juice. And just putting those dots together that um, the character of Josie and PJ really connected those dots very soon that, oh, they're going to spray the field with pineapple juice and kill Jack. really raised the stakes in the final quarter of the movie, which was just amazing and led to, I would say, one of the best fight scenes probably in all of cinema. (laughs) (laughs) They didn't have a fight coordinator for this movie. This was just Emma Seligman finding fight movies that she loved and just trying different things out, which I think just added to the overall insanity of the movie. We've already spoiled this movie, so can we just say that well, I, I will say this is a brand new release, and hopefully, it's releasing the going wide. I should say the day this episode comes out. So let's be careful of plot specific details, but feel free to talk around it. Obviously, okay. this is a movie about a Fight Club. I'm sure you can guess that there's going to be a fight scene near the end of the movie that I, I found to be quite exciting. But let's maybe save some of the details for people who are going to be finding this. There are some deaths that happen in this movie. <laughs> There are no consequences to those deaths. Not one. Yes. <laughs> oh Indeed, gosh. you are right. Yeah. But I, I love, I, I, I honestly, once I got on the wavelength of this movie, I loved choices like that. Because again, they're lampooning these high school tropes like the big football game at the end of the movie. Or the fact that the teachers can just swear at their students or (laughs) principals can refer to students as gay, untalented losers over the intercom (laughs) and threaten to expel them for bumping into another student with their car. And (laughs) so the the, the whole movie is sort of detached from reality in a really silly way. And, And yet it doesn't feel... It doesn't lose the, the relationships and the characters while it is achieving this very silly tone to me. Yeah. One of my favorite things that really, I think, accentuated that was Jeff's bit with his crutches. It was never <laughs> called attention to in the movie, but Josie and PJ would be having a conversation, and then in the background, Jeff would be just miraculously not walking with his crutches, throwing them on the ground. And I just thought that was perfect. <laughs> Yeah, he makes a big show walking into Mr. G's class after they bump into him with their car (laughs) and is bossing around his fellow football players in the back of the room where their desks are elevated off of the ground, (laughs) which made me laugh. Uh, There's also a... It it goes unremarked upon until later in the movie where you realize what exactly is happening, but there's another football player who's just in a cage in this classroom. (laughs) There's absolutely no explanation why. Wait, okay, when they when they're asking who is the character that has to fight the wrestler? Right. That's Hazel, who's played by Ruby Cruz, who I called out uh, before we started the review. There is a scene where she has to fight a wrestler that I 
Like, as much as I knew that this movie did not exist in reality, jaw dropped that that is how they were going to determine whether or not the Fight Club was free. <laughs> yes, a, a pep rally devolves into a gladiatorial combat situation, and all of the teachers are just watching. <laughs> yeah. But I, I really like that scene, too. Aside I love from that the fact, scene. I, again, I, I think it's just a really well-directed fight scene, but also Ruby Cruz is, is giving a great performance yes, in this movie. Absolutely. She's she's the closest we have to a straight man. Well, yeah. almost. I agree with that, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I found her character funny because she is, uh, I, I say this lightly, but I think some ways maybe coded as a little autistic, uh, someone yeah. who does not always yeah. get social cues, uh, they make a joke about how Josie went to juvie over the summer because she her arm is in a sling at the carnival, and Hazel takes that completely seriously, and it becomes the inciting incident for the movie where they use her fake juvie experience to start the Spike Club. Um, and, but maybe, I'm just reading too much into that, maybe Hazel's just ditzy. But again, she's a character who we see go from sort of ditzy at the beginning of the movie into someone who is... <laughs> fighting a, another big scary dude in the gym in front of the whole school and you know her her relationship with pj as well starts out as a little adversarial and they ultimately grow closer over the course of the movie too and their dynamic i think is really well handled even though pj and josie's friendship is really the center of the movie yeah i would go so far as to say that i considered hazel to be the heart of the movie for me I mean, PJ and Josie doing their crazy stuff, then there was Jeff, and just all of this chaos, and then at the very heart there was always Hazel trying to get them on track, really forming this club and doing most of the work for them, and having this intention of having a safe space for all of these women at their school. And I mean, that scene at, towards the end, when PJ just really went in on Hazel, making those comments about her mother, I mean, that was just, I would say that was the most emotional moment in the movie for me, for a movie as you discussed was, had a lot of levity to it, even in the quote unquote dramatic moments. That one really was just a hard hitter. And again, that's that's so true to just high school experience mm -hmm. where we have all had moments where we get unnecessarily maybe angry with someone that we're close to and we just go off on them and they're justifiably upset <laughs> and we have to make up later although of course those decisions don't get any of our didn't get any of my friends involved in gladiatorial combat scott you and i have never gotten mad at each other <laughs> let's move past that <laughs> uh christian and i have had our fair share of angry text exchanges but we're again still podcasting three years later um i, I do want to mention hazel her mom it, played by Dagmara Dominicic, who is Carolina from Succession. She's also in as uh, The Lost Daughter, Maggie Gyllenhaal's directorial debut from last year. I, I think it, yes, The Lost Daughter. I was thinking The Eternal Daughter, which is a movie by a different director, Joanna Hawk. But um, criminally underused, I have to say. I she showed up and she's a known commodity and so I thought we were gonna get some more scenes with is it Mrs. Cunningham is that her name yes yeah so I thought we'd get more scenes with her especially mm -hmm. as we find out that she is having an affair with somebody at their high school actually but it felt like she had some scenes that were maybe cut from the movie and I was a little bit sad about that I'm going to be real <laughs> absolutely totally underutilized and it was interesting even still she got the I think and credit at the end. Mm -hmm. Her character arc makes no sense because the first couple scenes that you see with her are her like really wondering why Hazel's upset yeah. and then she starts this affair with the football player. I'm assuming she knows that he's a high school football player. Yes. I could be wrong. <laughs> I don't think you are because of how much like Jeff propaganda there is in at this school and in this town. Where... <laughs> when Jeff apologizes to his ex-girlfriend because she finds out and he comes with just like the flowers and she's like oh, okay it takes it back and I go what? let's let's talk about Jeff's girlfriend because her name is Isabel and she's played Isabel. by Havana Rose Lou yes. who I was not familiar with I don't think no I've seen her, her seen her anything before and I thought she was great as this love interest for Josie who of course is dating Jeff and has this I mean, you could say complicated, but again, with the tone of this movie, it's not always that complicated, but 
I, I think she's just a great character too, and she also brings with her PJ's love interest, who is Brittany, played by Kaya Gerber, who is uh, again another trope we're lampooning here: the best friend character who's always with Isabel, and they literally she makes a comment about how she literally goes everywhere that she goes. Yeah. <laughs> like again, just making fun of these tropes that always exist. We all know movies where the uh, even like Mean Girls, where it seems like the plastics in that movie. They always follow Regina around. And we are, again, familiar with this trope. So any thoughts on Isabel and Brittany? Because I, I really found that both of them, Havana Rosalou and Kaya Gerber, to be pretty effective in, in more supporting parts here in the sort of love interest roles. But I'm curious what you guys thought. Yeah. I mean, I really loved their dynamic between Brittany and Isabel. And I thought that they could have easily made them just the stereotypical mean girls. But at no point were they, like, ever mean or bullying PJ and Josie. They were just kind of like, well, we're better than you and we don't really want to associate with you. <laughs> but, I mean, pretty soon they joined the Fight Club and really bought into all that. And, I mean, Isabel and Josie's dynamic is just, like, stellar. And it was really interesting seeing Isabel kind of initiating all of that. I just really thought that was very unique for a high school movie. I really enjoyed uh, Brittany's character also. In the one scene, well, in the one room, bedroom scene that she gets with PJ, and how authentic, actually, and there's like a touch of vulnerability there, yeah. but it's not really sexual tension. Mm -hmm. It's much more so being able to let someone in, and like honestly, the genius about having bedroom scenes is that, you know, this bedroom is it's what you are what you can lock the door to, you know, what you put forth for yourself. And how she interacts with PJ there, how she, I, I, I don't know, how kind she is also, because she makes the, she makes the joke that she's basically being treated like Jessica Rabbit, you know, it's like a look, it's it's not my fault that everyone thinks I'm hot, which is the the, the funniest thing ever. Yeah, Kaya Gerber, notably the daughter of Cindy Crawford, who is a famous supermodel. <laughs> and Kaya Gerber, I will say, very attractive actress. So yeah, her character does get some interesting moments to comment on the fact about how she's often treated as just a pretty face. And nobody talks about the fact that she's smart. And nobody talks about the fact that she has a side business. And there's a lot more to her. And it's moments like that that, like you said, Christian, create genuine vulnerability. And, and a lot of these characters to have real moments that cut through the silliness of the tone. It's a, such a tight balance to walk. But we get to moments like this scene you're alluding to where PJ and Brittany have a moment alone together. And it creates one of the most authentic moments in this movie where there again is uh, <laughs> fights in the school gymnasium in front of the entire school there's uh, bombs being used to explode cars which we haven't mentioned before <laughs> or mentioned yet there's football players never changing out of their uniforms and pads and, and there's also still these authentic moments that I'm sure will really speak to people who have had similar experiences as the characters are going through in, in those moments, which again, don't want to spoil because this is a new release and we want people to see it and experience it for themselves. Okay, let's play this game. Let's I play. introduce this game randomly. Yes, I'm sure. Right. You, yeah. Yes. Would this movie be better oh, with <laughs> Isabella Rossellini, Tiffany Haddish, or Courtney Cox? Hmm. That's an interesting <laughs> question. <laughs> That's better than last week's version which what you were we were talking about Oppenheimer, Oppenheimer. Oh, and Christian said would <laughs> would the movie be better if Florence Pugh were recast with Jackie Chan Dwayne the Rock Johnson or John Cena which the correct answer saying. yeah Dwayne the Rock Johnson is the obvious answer <laughs> I have my answer so Megan I'm curious if you have an answer to Christian's game here definitely I mean I'm just kind of thinking where would I see Tiffany Haddish? I mean, this is definitely a movie that I could see her in. I just don't really know where she would fit in. Would okay. you be thinking about maybe like replacing Punky Johnson's character with Tiffany Haddish? I think that could be interesting. Possible. Um, Punky Johnson playing this sort of mentor character for Josie is an old babysitter, we find out. Yes. And they get a very funny scene together. But Yes. I thought that was a possibility, although I do think Punky Johnson's very funny in that scene and wouldn't want to necessarily swap her out. So am I recasting someone 
or do I get to just insert my choice into the movie in a new part? I will say dealer's choice. So we don't get a ton of parents in this movie. We do get Mrs. Callahan, but like I said, Dagmar Ademinishik is extremely underused, I will say, and I want to see the director's cut that adds 10 minutes <laughs> that are her scenes that are left on the cutting room floor. But I will say, seeing Courtney Cox pop up as PJ's mom, Oh, wow. Who is not understanding of her weird lesbian daughter, I think could have been very funny, but we, we were robbed of PJ's mother entirely. Never never appears in this movie. And neither do Josie's parents, I don't think. Mm-hmm. Not, yeah, not a lot of parents. So okay, I'll that's give my a, answer. I'll give an honest answer, which is I do think that Hazel's mom, Courtney Cox, could have destroyed that role also. Absolutely. Um, my funny answer is replace Marshawn Lynch with Isabella Rossellini. Hmm. Oh. As well. <laughs> <laughs> you say you start to think about it. I guess having an exotic French woman teaching them as opposed to a former NFL player could have been funny, but like feels... any of the rules of this movie are <laughs> like there are rules to this movie. Or I don't know. Like, look, I'm, I'm, I, I, I try to add something to this podcast. <laughs> mm-hmm. You try, Christian. You Absolutely. try. I mean, Courtney Cox, we know that she can fit into a teenage ensemble movie. I mean, Scream this is, is one of the best teenage slasher movies, in my opinion, of all time. I mean, she Ar- played Ar- a yeah. for years, also. Absolutely. On Cougar yeah. Town. <laughs> so she's she used to that kind of role. I mean, I think it could have been even interesting to see her be maybe like an evil cheerleading coach, kind of <laughs> going in tandem with Marshawn Lynch's character, kind of messing things up. Okay. Uh, sort of a Sue Sylvester exactly, role. Exactly, definitely a Sue Sylvester-esque role. For I think Courtney arms. would kill that. Oh my goodness. I love this. I'm really happy I asked this question. <laughs> yeah. So, it, it sounds like we're all positive on bottoms. Very much so. It becomes... It's my top two comedies of the year. Top two or three comedies of the year. Mm-hmm. Yes. Wow. This, is, this has honestly been a very good year for comedies at the movies, where we had No Hard Feelings with Jennifer Lawrence earlier this year that was a, a box office success, I think maybe a minor success because it had a bit of a high budget, but that was a success. Joyride, unfortunately, not a box office success, but a comedy success, absolutely. It's one of my favorite movies of the year so far. And now Bottoms. And I feel like maybe I'm forgetting just Theater camp. more. Theater camp. Yes, exactly. Which, Christian, you and I saw as part of our virtual Sundance experience at the beginning of this year. Have you Megan done Sundance? No. It's, we should get a group of our friends and do Sundance next yeah, year. Yeah, absolutely. It would cost so little money. Perfect. The passes are pricey, but when you add, uh, add viewers, mm-hmm. <laughs> it ticks down slowly. But yeah, Theater camp. Much more niche in its subject matter because if you are like Megan and myself and maybe Christian actually, if you're was a theater kid, yeah, if you're all recovering theater kids, then there is something particularly special about that movie because you uh, can relate a lot more to the characters and just the whole idea of theater camp itself. So, still a very funny movie and that I hope finds more of an audience, especially as it's coming to streaming and VOD soon. But Great year for comedies in the movies. We're all in favor of Bottoms, it sounds like. Any final thoughts on Bottoms? There are, uh, there are a few stones left unturned, of course, but that's the way it goes with about any conversation about a movie. So anything else y'all wanted to mention before we move on here? I think... I, I, I mean, I think A.O. Edibiri is... Won this movie for me, yes. Mm-hmm. But more than that, the more that I see her on... Like, things like the bear the more that i see her in theater camp in this um in uh, even in teenage mutant ninja turtles mutant mayhem her voice work in that is mm-hmm. incredible and she kind of does she, she she has her archetype which is person who is trying to put forth the air of being confidence but is kind of like trying to sputter through that that is definitely whatever character you put her in that's part of the persona that's coming through but it's always not authentic, but you can... F- uh, the reason I say authentic is because anything can be authentic and we, I don't need a performance to be authentic in order for me to like it. It does feel like she's um, she does a very good job of saying there's something in me 
that I don't have words for. And even if I had words for them, I don't know if I wanted to tell you those words. And mm-hmm. I cannot wait to see what she does next. She's actually going to be joining the Marvel Cinematic Universe, believe it or not, because she's going to be in Thunderbolts if that movie gets made. Because I feel like we're any minute now, they're just going to say the entire MCU is just canceled. She <laughs> is going to be in a $250 million movie, which will make about mm-hmm. $620 million. And will somehow still be a box office disappointment. And will be a box office failure. <laughs> and I think she will elevate that movie. <laughs> You're damn right. She'll be the best part of it. I, you know, if I, if I had to say I had a major critique for Bottoms, one thing I would say is that I loved Iowa DeBerry in the movie. I think she's great. And we really do center on Josie if there is a central character, it's Josie. Yeah. And I felt like PJ was a little underserved as her partner in crime. And it felt like there's... I mean, this is a pretty brisk movie that definitely works in its favor. But again, I would have been happy to sit through 10 more minutes of this to get a couple more Dagmar Dominic scenes. But mm-hmm. also to get more of Rachel Sennett and PJ as a character. Um, not that she feels underdeveloped or that by the end of the movie where she lands feels unearned. I don't think that at all. But it did feel like her character did not get as much time to grow and to develop as Josie. And again, love what Io did in this movie and how Seligman and Senate served her as writers and director. So do you have any thoughts on that dynamic, Megan? Am I crazy? I agree with you. I mean, I wouldn't go so far as to say protagonist and deuteragonist for Josie and PJ respectively, but I was definitely feeling that, I mean, Josie had a very full arc, and while they were both incredibly round characters, neither of them felt flat throughout the entire film, I do feel that there was a little bit left undiscovered with PJ's character, and maybe just kind of seeing where all of that anger and fieriness within her comes from, I think that could have been very interesting. I don't feel we ever get a resolution for that, and I don't think we necessarily need that. I don't think the movie needed that, but I think it would have been worthwhile to discover. And all that said, too, as a, you know, as a co-writer of the film, with Senate not making herself the star, basically, but rather they're serving Josie's character... When we think back on all of the high school movies that we've seen, obviously there have been high school movies featuring black characters, centering black characters, uh, made by black filmmakers. But when we think about the high school you know, canon, whatever canon there is, we do think about people like John Hughes, George Lucas, Richard Linklater, a lot of white directors. And so getting to see, not you know, as we're talking about how this is distinctly a, a movie about lesbian characters, a lesbian film, also seeing a black character centered in that way is again just uh, in the grand scheme of high school movies pretty cool to see I can think of one high school-ish movie that centers a black character and that is oh was it called Chronicle? Yes, the uh, where Michael B. Jordan. Michael B. Jordan. Yeah. So that's the only one that comes to mind. Yeah, he's he's one of a trio there with Dane DeHaan and another actor who I cannot recall. But yeah, that that's a pretty good superhero high school coming of age movie genre mashup. The director of that movie would go on to fail as the director of the Fantastic Four reboot movie uh, where he very famously had a breakdown and had his movie taken away from him and it was cut into something terrible. (laughs) So, sorry Josh Trank. He just caught astray at the end of this review of Bottoms which is in limited theaters right now. (laughs) Another great segue there for you, Christian. And actually just had the highest per theater average release for a movie of this year. The highest since Everything Everywhere All at Once last year. So seems like it's going going to be a box office success as it expands to more theaters on September 1st. Hopefully, listeners of this show, you are finding a showtime where you can go check it out so that you can listen to this episode. Or maybe you're just going to listen to it and then go see it because we're so persuasive. Next week on the show, we will be continuing with our modern high school movie keg here as Christian and I look at Lady Bird, feeling in the Greta Gerwig uh, state of mind lately with Barbie doing so well. So I want to go back a few years and look at her debut. This is a movie you've seen, yes, Christian? I've seen it multiple times. Perfect. Megan, any Lady Bird thoughts? Just a masterpiece. But yeah, I'll definitely be listening. <laughs> <laughs> we appreciate that. And Labored, I know, is on and off of streaming, so I should have checked this beforehand. But we're checking live on the air. 
making sure. In the meantime, okay. To leave dramatic pauses. Right. <laughs> Megan, what movie are you looking forward to most that is coming out in the rest of the year? I mean, other than Paw Patrol, I really do not that. <laughs> <laughs> I think You're doing that... the double feature with Saw X? Absolutely. Saw Patrol is definitely in the cards for me. Mm. But yeah, definitely excited for those, honestly. Genuinely, <laughs> that's my answer. <laughs> <laughs> not a My Big Fat Greek Wedding 3 kind of gal? Oh, I mean, yeah. <laughs> That definitely is on the back burner for sure. Lady well, Bird. After, after the, after the, yeah, the yeah, yeah, yeah. Lady Bird is on Paramount Plus. It's also streaming for free on Canopy if you have a library card and access to that streaming service. And of course, it's rentable wherever you rent movies. So I want to give a big thank you to Megan for joining us here, of course. Anywhere that people can find you and your work. Is there anything publicly available? Do you have anything to like push right now? Maybe you just are on social media and you want to gain a few followers. Yeah, I mean, at Megan McGlory on Instagram. Spell your last name. Um, L-I-G-U-O-R-I. There we go. And uh, nothing to push at the moment, but stay tuned. Perfect. Hey, you know, my my lone creative outlet is this very podcast. So we don't always have things coming out, but it's uh, we just appreciate you being here. And hopefully we'll have you back in the future when you do have something to talk about. And we can give that a little, little press here on the show. I'm in charge of getting guests. Yeah, that's, and, that's pretty true. It's not even that I'm in charge. It's just that I'm the only person who gets guests. Christian and I have a, have a fun uh, uh, sort of PJ and Josie dynamic. Except instead of one of us being more outgoing and one of us more actually... Christian is much more outgoing than I am naturally. I don't. And you have about a bazillion friends, and I have like six or seven, and you're one of them. So that's that's kind of... I mean, that's something simple that. Protecting your peace, you know? <laughs> there we go. Yeah. And or slowly driving myself crazy. Well, you know, who, who knows? Either way. Either way. Yeah. <laughs> They're not mutually exclusive. They're not mutually exclusive. You can ask my wife, and she can, she can see how crazy I truly am. We'll see if she thinks that or if I'm... You know, cutting myself, cutting myself. Need to cut myself some slack. Either way, there are a few things that you can do to support the show that would stave off my inevitable drive to madness. That's three for three on segues here on today's show. Of course, we hope that you do follow Megan on Instagram and catch her there. But you can also follow Christian and myself on social media. I'm on Twitter, so is the show, and Christian is on Instagram. And you can follow both of us on Letterboxd, where we are regularly rating and reviewing the things that we're watching. Megan, are you on Letterboxd? Gosh, I am. <gasps> I don't know my username off the top of my head, but it's probably Megan Lagori. <laughs> <laughs> Search for her, follow her, and like all her reviews, leave comments. What, what are your top four right now? Top four right now? The, the four, um, you, you the know what I'm that, asking. The four Letterboxd ones. Oh, right now? I would say Barbie and Oppenheimer are there. No, no, right no, 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 no. Oh. Like that you put on your letterbox page. That I put on my page? Yeah. You know how on letterbox you can put you put your top four for your profile? What do you mean by that? Yeah, it, <laughs> I, it you I, to, I just joined Letterbox. <laughs> it asks you to choose four movies that you will that when people see your profile uh-huh. it says these are your favorites. Oh, right, right, right. Okay. Let's see. Okay. So Looks like right now I actually have um, Terms of Endearment. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Definitely Academy Award winning movie. <laughs> I also have Ordinary People there right now. Academy Award winning movie. Two best picture winning movie. Um, I also have um, I have But I'm a Cheerleader actually. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Never it's seen classic. it. Referenced in Bottoms if you guys caught that. Yes, I did. <laughs> Never seen yeah. it. And then I also actually have Shock Treatment, which is the sequel, prequel to the Rocky Horror Show. Oh, yeah. I've never seen it. Whoa. You should. Another <laughs> cult classic. Yeah, cult, uh, Shock Treatment is like cult classic sequel to the cult classic. Yeah. It is a culture classic. It's a deep <laughs> dive, yes. Awesome. Well, find all of us on Letterboxd, and we'd love to see some listeners follow there. We'd love to see what you guys are watching, too, of course. So, okay, for this there. You can also, I'm doing this out of order, so I'm trying to backtrack and, and figure out where to go next. But you can, of course, please subscribe to the show, leave us a rating or a review, if applicable, on whatever um, podcast platform you use. Helps us reach new listeners. We greatly appreciate it as well. So review, subscribe, all that fun stuff. You can also send us an email to cinemaontappodcast at gmail.com. We are regularly checking that inbox for listener feedback and ideas. If you have a high school movie that you love and did not get mentioned on the show, we'd love to hear it. Honestly, we're, we're going to be you doing... That's a good one. The Spectacular Now. 
That is a good one. Yeah. Enjoy that one. We will not be doing... Actually, we will be doing a top five high school movie episode later this month. As we, we are? Will. Yeah, we are. That is not what you texted me today. I asked you, what are we doing the last episode of this month? So, You Christian. specifically told me, Christian. this is what we're going to be doing. I asked you, what about this thing? And Christian. you said, no, we're going to be doing this thing. Christian. Yes. Whose idea was it to, to pull together a spreadsheet where we could plan... For this episode, months at a there time. There was a question mark next to it the last time I checked it. If if Christian were to be a good lad and check the spreadsheet that he created, he would see Bottoms, Ladybird, Booksmart, top five high school movies, and then in the bonus week that we have between September and October, that we do have a retro review planned for that week, which I'll hold back a little bit. But that's the plan. So the text was about the stupid bonus episode and not the fourth episode of the I month? I mean, it's not even a bonus Why episode. Why would you think that I would care about the bonus episode right now? I wanted to know about the fourth one to know how I should prepare. Because I'm, I'm making very pointed an eye contact at Megan here sitting in on this, this marital argument. Uh, because, again, I thought that you were referencing the spreadsheet. <laughs> I'm and there the was right yeah, now. there you yeah. go. There was a question mark. There was an open space that was filled based on our conversation today. <laughs> so when we do our top five high school movie episode later this month, we'd love to know your top five high school movies. Or if you just have one, maybe two, feel free to send that in as well. We will shout them out on the show, just like we shouted out some of our listeners' favorite episodes of twenty or favorite movies of twenty twenty three so far. Christian. Hmm. Any final thoughts for the folks listening along at home? I'm going to pull some random stuff and argue it, even if I don't believe it. My number one will be The Incredibles. That's not a high school movie. Number two will be Finding Nemo. That is also not a high school movie. Arguably an elementary school movie, if anything. <laughs> number three will be Saw 2. I haven't seen any Saw movies, but I'm well aware that none of them take place in high school. Alrighty, folks. Christian needs to go walk off the beverage he enjoyed during the recording this of this episode. very good. I enjoyed this. I've never had this before. You've never... Glad you liked it. We are, we are cinema on seltzer today as opposed to cinema on tap based on what we are, are drinking. Megan said I refuse to drink beer. Never said that, but heavily implied it. <laughs> <laughs> so Christian's going to go maybe, maybe either walk it off or drink another and just keep this whole th- thing going. And until next time, you this has been... sober and being weirder than I am right now. This has been <laughs> Cinema on Tap. Thanks for listening. <laughs>